Welcome to 100 Plus, this uh, overview of 100 of the most significant uh, people, events, and ideas of the last couple thousand years. We've been looking at the forces and factors that have shaped our life, history, Western civilization, the church, uh, and trying to figure out what it looks like to leverage these insights in order to live more faithfully to Christ. Today is one of the 100 plus episodes. So you are going to watch an interview that I conducted with Roy Schwartz, who is with Chosen uh, People's Ministries, and we're talking about Jews in Israel. So uh, we actually have a topic. One of the 100-plus episodes is going to be on the formation of the nation of Israel and some of the things that roll out of that. But uh, I'm going here, and I'll do a couple extra episodes here in the next month because I'm leading a trip to Israel coming up May 14th. And so I'm asking, I'm interviewing three different people. Roy here, he's in Chicago, as you'll hear. He started four churches, three of them in Chicago, uh, three Jewish uh, Messianic congregations in Chicago. So interviewed him here. I will, when in Israel, will be interviewing Gil Hoffman, who actually grew up in Highland Park, uh, graduated from Northwestern. He is one of the editors of the Jerusalem Post. He is a practicing Jew. And then I'll be interviewing Salim Nair, who's a Palestinian Christian and an Israeli citizen. So they will have, they represent three different perspectives on Israel, on Judaism, on uh, all of that. So uh, what you're going to listen to is the interview I conducted at one of our pre-meetings. So we have 20-some people that are going to Israel. And so we were together for a meal and in the context of that, I had Roy come and interviewed him. So that's the episode that you're going to be listening to today. Hope you enjoy it. We will have uh, three conversations in addition to the, the tour, which again is sort of is this balance of all the historical information. There's also uh, obviously spiritual <coughs> times and reflective times and pilgrimage opportunities. There is also um, this cross-mix of all the 21st century political situations that you walk into that, that you cannot, be, uh, cannot completely ignore. And so we will have, uh, I've, tonight I'm interviewing uh, Roy, and Roy is uh, local. Roy is, um, is a Jewish believer, uh, grew up, his mom immigrated out of um, uh, Germany fleeing um, all that was going on in Germany back in the in the 40s. And then his dad was from here. So Roy uh, grows up in New York, comes, um, uh, goes to Bar Mitzvah. As a young man, meets Gentile Christians who for the first time he feels like, wow, there's a, an interest in me as a person and uh, introducing Christ. And even though I'm a Jew, they're sort of talking about this and that puts him on a process that will eventually lead him to coming to faith. He does a degree in Jewish studies at Moody. He does a master's degree along the same lines in at Talbot in Biola, uh, Los Angeles. And he's written a book. He started four uh, Jewish uh, Messianic congregations, three in Chicago, one in, uh, one in Toronto. He is currently leading Bible studies. There's a Bible study in Highland Park. He's done things for, for us. He is uh, pastoring a congregation in New York, so he goes uh, tomorrow to uh, put on a Seder in uh, Central Park. 
so he has uh, been to Israel lots of times, 25 times, I think he said. And so brings a wealth of experience. And so I am particularly interested in talking with Roy as a Jewish Christian and somebody who's very knowledgeable about uh, yeah, looking at Israel through the eyes of a Jew and a believer. Uh, we will interview, um, I will interview over lunchtime Gil Hoffman when we're in Jerusalem. So Gil grew up in Highland Park, uh, went to Northwestern, did a master's degree in journalism in Northwestern, then moved to uh, Jerusalem and has been there for, I don't know, 25, 30 years. He is uh, the editor or deputy editor of the Jerusalem Post. He's in charge of politics. I've heard him speak a couple times. I heard him speak a couple weeks ago. Uh, I got in trouble at Bethel Synagogue two uh, Saturdays ago for trying to take notes during the Sabbath uh, using a writing implement in uh, Bethel Synagogue. So I don't have great notes from uh, his talk, but um, it was fascinating. And so we're going to hear from him. He is a practicing Jew and he is an Israeli. So he will, he will come at this from a different perspective. And then the, the third person we'll meet is Salim Munayer. Salim is a longtime friend. He's a Palestinian Christian and an Israeli. He did a PhD at Oxford. He's involved in the program I've worked with for 30 years, paying for PhDs for people like Salim, who are going to be involved in these, what we call senior level leadership positions. So I came to Christ Church because there's a lot of people that Christ Church was helping fund at Trinity. And when I was living in Washington State, Christ Church was a church that was helping fund this PhD program that Salim went through. So Salim married to an, uh, an American, four boys. He's a couple years older than I am. He has led a ministry called Musalaha, which is doing uh, reconciliation work between Arabs uh, and, and Jews in Israel and um, all kinds of different things that he's done. And, um, so I'm going to ask some of the same questions of all three of these, uh, of these men. They'll come at it from slightly different perspectives. Um, but that's the plan. And so uh, having set all that up, Roy, thank you for being here. You've done a lot for Christ Church over the years, and, um, and we're thrilled to have your insight. So let me just start with a couple, uh, let you talk a little bit about to a group of people who are either listening or a group of people who are here in the room who are going to Israel and say, what do you like most about going to Israel? I mean, you've been 20, you've taken lots of people. What's your level of excitement or engagement to get people to Israel and why do you want them to go? Well, I think for the most part is that it opens up the Bible for people. They, they, they get to see the, the, the living stones as well as the other stones. And uh, it, it's like looking at the Bible in, three, in, a, in a third dimension, a fourth dimension. It's just wonderful. And, and uh, it blesses people, helps them to connect uh, uh, places and history. And uh, they just feel like it's connecting. Yeah, I've heard the, that uh, Israel is called the fifth gospel. All uh, right. The, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you got Israel, the, the, yeah. the land. It, it, it speaks to that. So... What, what are your favorite, I mean, we're going to all the, I mean, 
You can't go to all of them. We're we're gonna go you ran long where, days. We ran where Jesus walked. Right. We're, we're gonna run where Jesus walked. Yes. That, that is a great that is a great line. So but we're gonna hit almost all the, the, the big spots. What is it that you most where do you most like to take people in why? Well, <clears throat> probably the, the most outstanding place is standing on the Mount of Olives looking at the Temple Mount and seeing what Jesus looked at when he wept over Jerusalem. Hmm. Uh, it is a just an awesome place. It was, it was the place where Jesus last spoke to his disciples, ascended up, up to heaven, and where he said uh, that he's going to return to that mountain. So it is a significant place, most significant. Uh, another great place is uh, having communion at the Garden too with brothers and sisters. Um, so Jerusalem is awesome, but but so is you know the whole land. Um, you know, from Dan to Beersheba, from going, you know, I don't know where you're beginning, but uh, I always begin at Jaffa, at Jaffa, which is just outside of Tel Aviv. We usually spend a, a night uh, on the uh, Mediterranean, and, and we try and get four seas, the uh, Mediterranean, the uh, Red Sea, the Dead Sea, and the yep. Sea of Galilee. Yeah, I think we're going to hit all the seas. Okay, so, right? So uh, that's wonderful. I mean, it's... and. And uh, so that that's just breathtaking. And it's worth just reflecting that they all get called seas, although... Not exactly seas. They're not exactly seas, right? Yeah. Some of them are pretty small. The Jordan like, River's a bulge. I mean, rather, the Sea of Galilee's a bulge in the Jordan River. Right, <laughs> right. And the Jordan River, I remember going, this prevented people from crossing? Well, they have uh, used the water quite a bit. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, it needs more water, but yes, at one time it was a raging river. So, um, this is a, also sort of a loaded question, but I want to give you an opportunity to, to weigh in here. Why, you're, you're Jewish, so obviously it's, it's a loaded question. Why do you love Jewish people? Well, uh, we have a saying, Jews are like anyone else, only more so. Garment district and the worldview was do unto others before they do Well, so what do you think is going to surprise people the most when they get there? I think one of the surprises is going to happen is, is, is you're going to find out that your tour guide's not a Christian. You're going to think that he is because he knows the New Testament better right. than all of you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you will be amazed at how how could he not see that? Okay. We actually have a Christian as a tour guide. So, oh. I, 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 yeah, I, I, yeah. That's great. He's a pastor. Now, I, I'll, just, I'll, be, I'll be disappointed uh, if he's not a Christian. He's okay. pastoring a church. Uh, that's wonderful. But yes, that, that I mean, I, I absolutely agree with that. You're having conversations with, with Jews or with... Uh, uh, in Turkey, with with your people who who are very conversant and very honoring, but it, you also realize, oh yeah, this is this is their day job, right? And and they know how to, how to sort of make this work, and they're very they're very deferential to the senior pastor. I'll say that. Yes. Too. So it's a little <laughs> bit like, okay, no, not so much. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's talk for a minute about Judaism because I think that there is. I mean, I feel a lot of questions where people are like, okay, so what do Jews believe? And why don't, you know, why did this Jew say this and this Jew say this? So can you talk about 
Reformed and conservative and Orthodox Judaism as it gets framed in, in the U.S. and America. And then also talk about how those, how the categories get expressed in Israel. One of the sayings that we have, and I think it's very true, you get two Jews together, you have three opinions. <laughs> and so whatever denomination, whatever grouping of, of whether it's Reformed, Conservative, Orthodox, or Ultra-Orthodox, you have variations in, in all of that. And, and in that regard, Christianity is very Jewish, isn't it? You get two Christians together, you have three denominations. So, so um, I, I think you need to realize that it's not monolithic, that there are, there are gradations in every area. And uh, the, the one thing that a Jewish person all agree on is that you can believe in anything except you. Hmm. So uh, the Reformed Jews are basically liberal. Um, they, they tend to be uh, uh, humanistic. Um, some of them are, are, there are even some that are atheistic and yet believe that because we have been persecuted that we are people, that the nation of Israel is important for our survival. It is a place where we can you know, exit to when things get bad. Um, but the idea of the Bible being absolutely God's word, the idea of a literal coming of Messiah, uh, they believe in a messianic age, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, uh, and that it's our function to bring that in, humanistic in, in so many ways. Conservative uh, tends to, to lean uh, reform, but also holds to Jewish liturgy, they read Hebrew, um, they, they hold to some of the, many of the traditions, uh, although not as zealous. And Orthodox, uh, there are gradations in various types of Orthodox, there's modern Orthodox, there's ultra-Orthodox, the, the, there are Jews for Judaism, they're, they're called Lubavitch, they're evangelists, they, they're out on the streets seeking to bring Jews, to convert them to, uh, or to bring them back to the faith. Uh, you'll see them in, in Brooklyn on the streets, uh, inviting Jews to uh, put on the phylacteries, to, uh, to wave the lulav and the etrog on, on Sukkot, and, and to participate in, in various things. They're, they are, they, from my perspective, uh, you know, when it talks about 144,000 Jews that will be evangelists, these, these young men who are out on the streets right now could possibly overnight come to faith and be the evangelists of the world because they, they're literally in every country of the world. They call the Rebbe's army. And then, so those are the evangelistic, uh, they're called the Chabadniks or uh, Lubavitch. Then among the ultra-Orthodox, there is the Satmar and the uh, um, other Hasidic groups within them in Brooklyn and probably the centers in Brooklyn, although there's very many Orthodox in, uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, also up north in uh, Spot, which is uh, the city that's on a hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee. So <clears throat> I have heard that it's, that it's said that in, in the U.S., we tend to think of Jews as in Reformed, Conservative, and, and Orthodox, or, uh, Orthodox camps, that in Israel, a lot of times, the way Jews divide is over politics or over the land. Well, the, the religious Jews are very much uh, agreed in many things, and they are very influential because they vote together because they want to influence the government, and they want the government to uh, give them, seed them control over the religious life, and uh, uh, who, who can marry, who can, uh, who can be accepted as Jewish. Uh, who can make citizenship, who can make aliyah. 
So let's, let's back, let, let me back up here and, and ask two qualifying questions. First of all, what constitutes a Jew? And secondly, what percentage of Israel is Jewish? Okay, from the state of government, the government's position is if you are one quarter Jewish, if you have one grandparent that was Jewish, which was the definition of who would be murdered in the concentration camps, that would be the definition of what constitutes a Jew to the modern state of Israel. So <coughs> legally, I, you know, my, both my parents are Jewish, so I, could, I technically could make Aliyah, but because the religious control... So you, you explain that term. You can Aliyah is to go up, to, to become a citizen. I'm entitled to it. Uh, because you know, my mother was a Holocaust survivor, and uh, and uh, but because of my position as a believer in Jesus, and because I'm all over the place on the internet, uh, they know that I'm in their minds. I am not no longer Jewish, and so, uh, however, my daughters would be considered Jewish because their mother is not Jewish. I married a Shiksa, <laughs> and in, in doing that, uh, that says that they could be raised in their mother's religion without having to have been converted. So they're assumed to be Gentiles and yet qualify because their father's Jewish and grandparents are Jewish. So they can they would have an easier time making Aliyah than I would. I would not be allowed, probably. Um, and so, uh, so, so among the Jewish people, again, in Israel, much of Israel, I'd say almost 90% of Israel is secular. They're not really religious. And they resent the religious who, who do not serve in the military and who expect to be supported in their studies, Talmudic studies. And, and so, but they vote together. And so the, the uh, government uh, is, is uh, you know, trying to woo them to get their votes, will cede to them all kinds of things, including paying for the rabbinical education of their Orthodox men. And, and the 90% who were fighting in the army, who were secular, resented. And it's kind of like the, the time of Jesus in which the religious were despised by the majority of the people because they see him as hypocrites, as, as being religious fanatics and not really contributing to the country. And, uh, I thought that recently the ultra-Orthodox were required to start to serve in the military. Uh, no, that's not happened yet, and, they're, and the government's about to collapse, and uh, they're going to need the, the Orthodox, and it's, it's, I don't see that. Right, so when I heard Gil Hoffman a couple weeks ago, uh, before I got in trouble, uh, he said, he goes, I left the Midwest where there's one party. <coughs> And I went to the Middle East where there's 40 parties. Right. And he said the current ruling coalition has eight parties in it. And he said it is as stable as a U.S. party in which AOC and Tom <coughs> Cruise have to agree on everything or it all collapses. Mm -hmm. He said that's the situation at the moment. <coughs> and it's so fragile, but nobody wants... Bibi Netanyahu to get back in. They're sort of agreed that yes, we we don't like each other, but we really don't I'm want like him. <laughs> we don't want him back in power. So, so let me let me come at this the political dynamics uh, a little bit differently. Looking from the outside, by the way, what percentage of of the population of Israel are Jewish? Oh, um, well, uh, probably. 
you know, I, I'm not sure, but about 80 percent. Okay, I, saying, I, I saw 75 percent, and and I just know that, but that was a little bit dated. And I know demographic birth rates were tended to be low among secular Jews, high among, high the, among the religious Jews, and high among the Arabs, and high among the Arabs. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me come at the politics from outside. So there are. Um, I mean, Israel's this small country. By the way, one of the things that I say to people when you go is you're going to be surprised at uh, how small it is and how political it is and I say how spiritual it is and how brown it's, it's just not. You know, why are people fighting over this land? So much of it is, doesn't look like, like, wow, I could live in Palm Springs or I could live here. Or, you know, and, and they, they picture... They see these sheep. I've, I've seen pictures of New Zealand, and people say, this is the promised land. And I go, it's not the promised land. And then I go get a picture of just brown and desolate. I go, this is what the promised land looks like. Well, I think you're going to be surprised how green it is. I mean, well, most of you will be surprised. Uh, I will be surprised because the, the previous times I've been there, it has been brown. I'm, I'm off, I'm off my, my point here. So... When I say that people are, are going to be surprised, one of the things they're going to be surprised about is how political things are. And when we look at the politics of this small country sort of fending itself out against 200 million Arabs, there are people that say, enough of Israel, we're going to push it into the sea, like it's done, it doesn't have a right to exist, it's over. Uh, it seems like maybe there's, I mean, a couple weeks ago, Blinken was getting together with some countries that had not met with with an Israeli uh, representative before. So maybe there's a little bit of... Well, the Abraham Accords has done quite a bit to calm things down. You know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. And so that's been going on. Well, you have people that want Israel to be done. And then you have people at, at another end who say... This God gave the Jews this land. And in between there, you have people that say, well, God gave the Jews this land, but then the church has replaced the Jews. So you've got replacement theology. You've got all these different mixes of how people understand the land politically, historically. <clears throat> I mean, the Arabs and others make historical claims that go back hundreds of years, but, but there's then religiously, spiritually... How do you understand the land? I, I see it as divinely given that, that uh, Ezekiel talks about them coming back in unbelief. I see them there in unbelief. Um, and, uh, and so Israel is a secular, worldly place, but divinely brought back as a testimony. I think Israel remains forever as a testimony. It's a, it's a testimony to God's faithfulness to his word. We, yeah, we have a song, Am Israel Chai Odovinu, because because our father lives, Israel lives, and so I, I think Israel, you know, came out of the ashes of the Holocaust and and lives because of God, and and most of us as Jews don't know that we don't really believe that God did that. We did it. We are again. We think that it's us, but God uses man. And, uh, and, and the nations, I mean, if it were, the nations allowed Israel to exist and, and uh, someday the nations together for expediency will allow the temple to be rebuilt, I believe, for political purposes, to, uh, to make a covenant with Israel, to bring peace to them. So let's talk about that for a second. So the, 
Four days ago, the Jerusalem Post had a front page article saying somebody calling to rebuild the temple. And the New York Times picked up on this, mm -hmm. that there's a call to rebuild the temple right. on the Temple Mount. Right. And the argument is it's the third temple. So the first temple, obviously, um, built by Solomon. Uh, second temple being built out of the exile, expanded by Herod the Great. And now this would be a, a, re, a new temple. Mm -hmm. So talk about both. Let's, let's talk theologically for a second. Who wants the temple rebuilt? Well, Orthodox Jews, every Passover and every wedding, we have a testimony that we are without the temple. Every Yom Kippur, the Orthodox would take a chicken and pass it over their heads and slit the throat of the chicken, knowing that without the shedding of blood, there's no atonement. So there is this quandary that the Orthodox have that we know that we are commanded to rebuild the temple. So the Orthodox are committed to it. Uh, but the politics of it are such that, you know, apart from a, a miracle, apart from a political agreement of some sort, the temple can't be built because you know, right now there's riots in front of the temple. Right. And, and the Dome of the Rock is right now. And this That's is debatable. Okay. But this is among the most contested real estate on the planet. Absolutely. Okay. So even the Christians can't agree. You go, you go into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, there are 14 or 15 different Christian denominations fighting with each other. You're going to see a ladder as you go in that has been there since 1894 or something. Some guy left it there, and because of the status quo, nobody can remove it. Right. Mm -hmm. And they get in fights. I mean, I remember like four years ago, they got in a fight over who was sweeping, which side of this line. Yeah, has, yes. has the keys. Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Christians can't agree. <laughs> okay, so so the Orthodox Jews want to rebuild the temple. The do the conservative Jews want to rebuild the temple? And the Reformed are so so there are Christians that want to rebuild the temple. Well, some crazy ones, yes. They they, <laughs> they, 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 they feel that the temple, you know, that yeah, they they want they want to fulfill prophecy. Okay. Okay, but the but the Orthodox Jews need a temple in order for there to be a place for a sacrifice to take place for the forgiveness of sins. Right. The so the conservatives would say the sacrifice is more loving people. I mean, how do they how do they account for God and uh, faith uh, and um, you know human kindness? Um, uh, being uh, brotherly to, 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 to be humanistic again. Okay. And that's also the reform, to the extent that the reform form are dialed in at all on these kinds of topics. Well, they are in terms of a humanistic way. They, yeah. they, they would be the equivalent of our uh, Christian liberals okay. who are humanistic. Okay, so let me ask um, about anti-Semitism. So Four or five years ago, I started, it felt like I was seeing more articles about anti-Semitism, and I started a file. And to be fair, not every article I read about anti-Semitism did it feel to me like it was anti-Semitic. Like, I go, ah, okay, maybe, uh, maybe I just don't have my radar finally tuned enough, and I'm, I, good grief, um, I have been accused of being a little bit clueless and obtuse by people in the past and not seeing what's actually going on. But there's other times when you go, oh, yes, that's that's clearly uh, that's clearly anti-Semitism. And my file filled up. 
And I, I read recently, you know, I just read a little booklet that I was sent about the dramatic decline in the number of Jews living in the Middle East outside of Israel. But it's just like, you know, Egypt was 150,000 and now it's 80. And, uh, you know, Syria was 100,000 and now it's 10. You know, it's just like there's no Jews left. So I wonder, I go, well, is that just because if I'm living in the Middle East, I really want to live in Israel. I mean, it's just a better country to live in. And so people are leaving. Are they getting beat up? Obviously, probably a little bit of both. I guess I just come back and I say, what it's happening. It seems to be growing. Why do people hate the Jews? I think it's demonic, to be quite honest. It's a spiritual issue. Whom God loves, the God of this world despises. And if you're not in the kingdom of God, you know, we're commanded, whether, whether we love Israel, believe Israel has a future, whether we, we are covenantal or dispensational, whatever it is, God calls us to love. And, and the, 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 the devil wants to destroy everything including a uh, testimony to God. Israel may, remains a testimony to God. You get rid of the Jews, you get rid of the promises, the, you know, the myriad of promises. You know, he's king of the Jews. He's going to come back to Israel. And you get rid of Israel, you get rid of the Jews. You know, that's all proves the Bible not to be true. And so there's a demonic aspect to it. When, when, when Satan couldn't destroy the church, he joined the church. And, and much of the uh, my family's experiences happened. You know, Martin Luther said we should gather the Jews into the into the church and into the synagogues and burn it to the ground, mm-hmm. singing praises to our Lord. And initially, he was pro-Semitic, but then when they rejected him as as, as gospel, then he turned on them, and, uh, and that you know, set the stage for a lot of stuff, the Inquisitions. So you know, there is there is this demonic activity. And, and so I, I don't see it as, you know, I, as Jesus was on the cross. I mean, that was clearly demonic, putting him to death. Uh, they didn't know what they were doing. And he forgave them because they didn't know what they were doing. It was clearly demonic. And, and it's the same thing. So I know you have hope. I mean, hope in Christ, hope because of God. Do you have optimism about the Middle East? Well, I, I do believe Jesus is coming back, and that's when there'll be peace. But my, my function is to proclaim the gospel, because that's the only way Jews will have real peace now and forever. Um, I, I believe there is a future hope for Israel, but as I read the scriptures, two-thirds of the Jews are going to be wiped out in those last battles. One-third will come through. But right now, my job is to share the gospel, to bring them into the church, to bring them to the Messiah. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one completely open question. What, what am I not asking you that I should be asking you that you want to say to those on the podcast or those sitting here getting ready to go to Israel in three weeks? Well, I, what I think you should be doing is I, I would challenge all of you to pray that, that, that God would speak to you through his word, through the land, through his spirit as you walk through the land, as you see it, and that, that you would see for yourself that that God is at work in this land and that there is a veil over their, their eyes, the nation's eyes, that they don't see, and that apart from the spirit of God, 
you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. I was dead in trespasses and sins. And, and through the grace of God, through the prayers of Christians, the Lord removed the scales, helped me to see Jesus was Jewish, that Christianity was Jewish. And, and my job is to uh, help Christians discover the truth of God's word as seen in the land and, and seen in the regathering of a lost people who have no idea what's, what in the world is going on and yet are part of this incredible work of God in these last days. And that the church is, is a part of it, an integral part of it. Uh, you know, that God loves the church as much as he loves Israel. And that's a testimony as well. Okay. Well, thank you, Roy, for, for uh, sharing with us and helping us shake off a little bit of Chicago winter and start to think ahead uh, a month out about um, Israel and being there. Yeah. You're going to have a great time. Okay. That's wonderful. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Okay. Um, thank you. <laughs> So that was the interview. Uh, we continued to discuss. The, the group had lots of questions. We spent some time talking about how it is that, uh, that Jews aren't persuaded by some of the Old Testament prophecies, such as Isaiah 53, to understand that Jesus is the Messiah. And, um, and Roy pointed out that most never read Isaiah 53 and uh, that the, the Jewish religious leaders who are more um, schooled in all this would, would point, would argue that that was actually the nation of Israel, not Jesus. Uh, but most, uh, most Jews are not familiar with that. And to hear that it's part actually of the Hebrew scriptures is shocking to them. So the conversation continued, but you got what you got. I'm gonna ask many of those same questions in the next uh, couple weeks when I am with Gil Hoffman of the Jerusalem Post and Celine Lenier of Musalaha. Talk to you later.